You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. Are you looking for a podcast your whole family can enjoy together? Uh-huh. Check out Culture Kids Podcast. Our adventures will ignite your curiosity for culture, traditions, languages, geography, and even pop culture with interviews from guests all over the world. Through each episode, we aim to help children become empathetic, creative leaders in their communities and help them see the beauty in our differences. And that's Culture Kids Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. Yes, time, but we're going to do our darndest, and we're mm-hmm. going to have a lot of fun. And if you're not already a fan of mountain gorilla, gorillas in general, great apes in general. What can they teach us? Gorilla, if, if a ladybug or a butterfly lands on a gorilla's hand, they're going to hold it up and look at it. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. Angie, this is going to be an exciting episode. I am pumped, pumped, pumped for mountain gorillas. I am just pumped. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a lot of fun in today's podcast, and hopefully everybody will learn a lot. I know I learned a ton. Uh, in fact, I wanted to keep diving deeper into the research and learning more about these guys. So Chris wanted to record a couple of days ago and I was like, no, 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 I want more time. Yeah. Uh, it's, they're just, but there's never, we're not going to be able to do, uh, them justice in our short podcast time, but we're going to do our darndest and we're mm-hmm. going to have a lot of fun. And if you're not already a fan, of the mountain gorilla, gorillas in general, great apes in general, you will be by the end of this podcast. That is our goal. Uh, they are one of our closest living relatives. They yeah, are- I mean, I was going to say, this is finally an episode on your in-laws. I mean, finally, we finally did Pretty it. Pretty much. And my siblings. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, and your siblings. That's your family in general. And oh my you gosh, know? definitely my children. After reading about uh, uh, young gorillas, uh, juvenile gorillas, and watching videos and stuff, I'm like, okay, yep, those are my kids for sure. Yep. In fact, oh, I see it. Actually, I see it. <laughs> and they're actually sometimes probably better behaved. Than my children. So yes. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> Don't mess with mama, right? Right. Exactly. Uh, but I mean, exactly. And then just for our listeners, you know, this podcast, Angie and I talked about it. We're going to try something new. We really want to do the species justice. So Angie and I tend to get talking quite a bit in our episodes. I know they run over and an hour, but we think this. A... <laughs> yeah. 
And sometimes not about the animals, sometimes about family or in-laws or the weather or childhood stories. I mean, obviously, let's be real. I could talk to a wall. So (laughs) it does get a little long. So yeah, we're maybe going to try splitting it up and doing two episodes. That way, if you only have time to listen to one, you can pick out the one that you think is more important and go from there. But hopefully you'll listen to both. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, split this one in half and release, you know, the first part one week and the second part the next week and just see how that goes. That way, some of these more iconic species, it gives us a chance to go a little bit more in depth and do a little bit more research and really put out the information that we want to put out rather than feeling rushed because as we get towards the hour mark, it's like, oh, we got to hurry up and finish. So they're, they're one episode. So. Things like we're going to revisit elephants. We're going to revisit rhinos. We're going to revisit some of the bigger ones again to do another episode on them to go a little bit deeper in the research. But we felt, especially for the gorilla, this would be a, this would be a good start to possibly start doing that. And we'll see how it goes. Experiments. That's what we do. We're scientists. We do experiments and a lot of times they fail. I think they almost, (laughs) most of the time fail. (laughs) Yeah. That's why it's called, yeah, yeah, that's why it's called research and not search. You have to like keep, Dale actually told me that. There joke. you go. He yeah. was like, yeah, yeah. he was like, yeah. it's, if it was called search, you would just do it once and you'd always have to find the answer. Yeah. But it's called research because you have to keep redoing it. All the time. That's true. That's true. Yeah. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. But it, you know, some of the things first outstanding interview coming this Thursday. Uh, Ron Evans, he's the curator of primates at the Cincinnati Zoo. I interviewed him a couple weeks ago incredible i mean i love all of our interviews like from the very first one till this one but he i barely spoke i let him just talk and so knowledgeable it was so enjoyable to listen to him talk about gorillas not only what cincinnati zoo has done for conservation but he has been to africa multiple times has been up close and personal with gorillas doing research over there he's involved with the ssps species survival programs Incredible, 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 incredible interviews. So you want to listen to that this Thursday. So Ron Evans from Cincinnati Zoo. Now, Angie, talking about family, you know, gorillas, DNA-wise, only differ from us, humans, homo sapiens, by 1.6%. Right. 1.6%. That's it. That's incredible. That's That's it. it. Yes. No, and I think that that is part of our our deep love and fascinations and and why there has been a great effort to conserve mountain gorillas mm-hmm. and gorilla species in general, uh, cause they need our help. And yeah, I mean, we look in the mirror. I mean, we look at them. They're us. We look to their behavior. Yes. We look, we ha- they have a lot to teach us about our past and potentially even about our present. And so, and that, that, that DNA is there. And, uh, oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. I'll, t- I'll tell you too, reading some of these papers and DNA studies, we have genes that are cl- closer to gorilla DNA than say chimpanzee DNA. Now, chimpanzees are closer to us overall. Right. As but, far as the percent of, right. Of DNA, DNA is the same, but not by much. It's like, it's like 1.3% is the difference, but we have genes that are closer to gorillas than chimpanzees, you know, so, you know, like me, you look at me and my bushy face, I look like a gorilla, you know, <laughs> well, I got the hair and everything, you know, and that gives, messed my hair up a little well, bit. Well, and it gives yeah. me hope because I've always, I, doing this research this past week or so has really re-sparked an interest for me in great apes. I, looking back, 
at my years as a keeper, I, I regret not working more closely with the great apes. I did a little bit of primate, um, mm-hmm. a little small primate work, uh, as an, for, as an intern, but I didn't have that intimate relationship that you do when you're a keeper or a researcher. And so I've been fascinated throughout the years and been reading lots of books about bonobos and their behavior. Obviously I love behavior and it just, this just reawoken that spirit of wanting to know more about our relatives. And, uh, and it kind Mm -hmm. of gives me a little bit of hope when you said we have a lot of more similarities to gorillas in some cases with our DNA, because there's kind of the age old saying, at least between gorillas and chimpanzees that out on exhibit, if a gorilla, if, if a ladybug or butterfly lands on a gorilla's hand, they're going to hold it up and look at it and be inquisitive about it and then probably even set it down when they're done with it and let it go. Where if that ladybug lands on a chimpanzee's arm, I shouldn't giggle. Smack. I'm already giggling. Uh, no, no, they actually smash it. And hurt it and kill it. <laughs> and okay. of course, the, with the chimpanzees, which we'll be covering them in some months to come as well, because they're such a cool mm-hmm. species. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. all, all great apes are so intelligent. So, I mean, their personalities and their emotion, and I'll get to that when I get to behavior. But just that chimpanzees are notoriously more aggressive than, even though they're smaller in size, and we'll talk about that when we get to the size of gorillas. They are smaller in size, but they are just a lot more aggressive. They, uh, uh, troops in the wild will create warfare with other ones and mm-hmm. things like that, where gorillas are just, they're like gentle giants. And I think the ladybug example is really quite interesting about how they approach something novel as far as smashing it or being inquisitive and they tend to be more inquisitive. And so I think if we go and they create less battles or warfare, things like that. So I, I hope that some of our, our DNA leans a little bit more towards that in some instances of being kind and peaceful and gentle and inquisitive. <laughs> and and yeah. not that a gorilla yeah. can't be tough. And we're, we'll, we're going to talk about aggression, behaviors, and things like that when we get to uh, the behavior section. But they are just really beautiful, fascinating creatures. And and to be able to – I obviously have seen them – uh, spent time with them under human care, not as a keeper, but as a as a uh, just – as a visitor watching when my, I have a lot of friends that uh, were great ape keepers. And so I'd spent behind time behind the scenes and getting to know um, a lot, getting to know a lot of them, but I've never seen them in the wild. And that is to be able to just sit mm-hmm. and watch them in the wild would be a dream come true, at least probably for anybody who likes behavior, likes wildlife. It would be amazing. And I just want to say, you want to stay tuned because at the end, I'm going to talk about how you can do that. Mm. So, you know, one of the things I, I really looked into was, okay, we're going to talk about conservation, obviously, with, with them. They're critically endangered, but ecotourism is helping them uh, in certain areas. And, you know, Ron talks about that in his visits. And when you go see them in the wild, you know, you're up close and personal and they walk right by you and they're not aggressive. And we're going to talk about that at the end or, or in part two of the species of gorilla, Angie, there, there's, there's really mm-hmm. two major species or okay. four subspecies. And it's really interesting because you look at some of the, the natural history on them. They always just thought it was gorilla one species, but as we do this DNA 
more research. Now we realize, especially when we get to evolution, it's, it's amazing how they've been separated for hundreds of thousands of years. So the genus is gorilla, but you have the two species, the Western gorilla and the Eastern gorilla. So the Western gorilla, there's the Western lowland and the cross river gorilla. Yeah. And I'm more familiar. Yeah. Yeah, I'm more familiar with the Western lowlands. That's what a lot of my friends got yeah. to work with. Those are the ones that are at zoos. Yeah. Right. Right. And I, and I'll tell you, Angie, that the, the most amazing gorilla exhibit, and I've been to two dozen zoos around the world still is the yes, Bronx. Zoo. I've been there. I think the Bronx Zoo gorilla exhibit is by far, you know, and I just went to the San Diego Zoo like six, eight weeks ago. Up close, the, the baby gorilla was right there. I took a bunch of pictures. Maybe I'll put it on our, on our show notes or on Facebook. Then I went to the LA zoo a couple weeks ago. Didn't see the gorillas, but the chimpanzee behavior. Oh my God. I cannot wait to get to behavior was incredible. We saw kind of a family argument. It was, it was hilarious. It was well, so I, amazing. No, I think that's the it thing is you amazing. always tease me about loving to watch horses eat grass or equids or hoofstock, right? Right. Just right. eat. That's all they do. They just eat. They're either eating grass or standing around or maybe, maybe laying down depending on what species. But, and I don't know, maybe I'm, that's, I'm just simple. That's like my Zen, but I, I, I do, I do have to admit after, <laughs> reinvestigating this primate behavior and just it's so intricate and and maybe because i've been watching my two boys and all their classmates and friends and yeah maybe i don't know but it's really opened up my eyes and it 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 isn't in these family groups and behaviors that happen if you get a chance to go to your local zoo and they do if they house gorillas i highly recommend it even if you don't think you'd be a fan of gorillas or of zoos or whatever. Um, most modern, well-accredited AZA zoos have actually redone their primate mm-hmm. houses and their great ape enclosures to get the enclosures more up to being a natural habitat. And so these uh, gorillas or uh, great apes in general are doing so many more natural behaviors. And it's like you're, it's yeah, obviously it's. N- not exactly the same as going out to Uganda and hiking through the, the jungles to see them up right. in the mountains, but it's not far off, if you know what I mean. I mean, as far as a lot of the natural behaviors and the family groups. No, and just, no, it isn't. Especially yeah. if you have children, uh, small children, I, I would just highly, uh, just do it. It, it, I, you'll, you'll, you can thank us later. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, and, you know, just talking about zoos and, and under human care. I mean, these, Especially the mountain gorillas, you know, they they were down to a few hundred. They they and they're still all critically endangered. So they're they're facing some horrific stuff. But luckily, where they are, they are protected, and and their numbers are rebounding a little bit, but still overall decreasing. So they're facing a a tough fight. But what I was going to say about the Bronx Zoo, it's amazing. You walk through this tunnel. The gorillas are all around. It's it, I highly, highly, highly recommend uh, go to you know any local zoo, but accredited zoo. But Bronx Zoo was just amazing. But yeah, you're right. So Ron talks about that. The Westerns are the ones under human care because right. the Easterns are, there's so few of them. And, you know, they, we've got to protect them where they're at and their shrinking habitat. So the Eastern, you have the Eastern lowland and then, of course, the mountain gorillas. Now, I mean, I think most people, again, like some of these bigger species, we know what they look like. Like I just said, just just imagine your hairiest uncle. King, you know, everybody know, everybody them, knows King right? Kong. King Kong was 
King Kong, mm -hmm. right? You know, that kind of thing. A gorilla, yeah. right? So some of the differences, though, is interesting. Sure. Yeah. Right. Like, well, I, I mean, I think it's important to note of out of all um, the primates and even the great apes, uh, the gorilla is the largest. So as far as body mass goes, oh, by, by far. far. Yeah. Uh, but with the mountains, they yeah. have, and Crystal put some great pictures on the show notes, or maybe you can even do one where it shows mm -hmm. a different species. But the mountain gorillas' coats are silky and long, and they range in color from blue long black to brownish gray. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are in the the so the western gorillas have brown on their heads where the easterns don't. Easterns have longer faces, broader chests, and then like you said, the mountain gorillas larger have jaws. Yeah, larger jaws, and the mountain gorillas have longer hair. You know because they're up there mm -hmm. in higher elevation, so to keep them warm yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and mm -hmm. then sexual dimorphism is pretty big. Not as big as. Not as big as the saltwater crocs, but still pretty big, where males can be almost six feet tall, 1.8 meters, way up to 400 pounds, so 180 kilograms. And then females, what, five feet or one and a half meters weigh about 200 pounds or 90 kilograms. So yeah. about half the weight, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, gorillas are huge because their arm span's almost eight feet or two, right. two and a half meters. That's <laughs> huge. <laughs> And that is something to, to note too that you may, we may have covered and when we did orangutans along a while mm -hmm. back now, uh, but mm -hmm. gorillas' arms are longer than their legs. Where, right. yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Whereas with humans, our arms are the same length as our legs, right? Like our, we can open Almost. up our, our, we can Almost. open up our arms to our height. Right. Almost. Or is that, or is that I, I, another old wives tale? <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, I've got a, I've got an incredible picture here, a comparison of apes. I mean, the gibbons, oh my God, the gibbons look like they have the longest arms. Those arms are used for brachiating. That's your word of the day. Bzz. Oh, uh, even yeah. though we're not talking about gibbons yet, we will here in the future, but yeah, yeah they brachiate yeah. from tree branch to tree branch. Oh my God. I didn't even notice that. It's like, okay. So looking at this, this graph, I'm going to, I'm going to post this one up. So our hands come about halfway up our thighs or just a little bit lower. Gorillas almost to their kneecaps, chimpanzees to the kneecaps, orangutans past their kneecaps to their shins, gibbons almost to their ankles. It's, it's, it's such a funny picture. I'm going to put <laughs> this on the show gibbons. notes. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm going to send this to you. It is freaking hilarious. I got to spend my Sunday afternoon watching uh, the the white cheek gibbons at the Santa Fe College Teaching Zoo, and uh, yeah, lots of fun there. Yeah, yeah, they're busy now. They're busy. The gorillas, yeah, they are, they are. Now the gorillas are in Central Africa, so the the westerns live in West Central Africa, so Gabon, Cameroon, other countries, right? The mountain gorillas, okay, are the eastern. They live in the Congo, the Rwanda, and Uganda. And it's separated by about 450 miles or 750 kilometers. And it's really the Congo River was the big thing that split them, which is crazy. And when I get to physiology, one of the things I talk about or characteristics of gorillas is they hate water. They're scared to death of water. So you have this huge river that has been running for thousands of years that has separated these these animals into the the different species, the Western versus the Eastern. So, so really interesting. 
And then also just the the just totally different habitats Correct. to the sure. eastern. Sure, I mean, the as western. their name implies, mountain gorillas live in the forest high in the mountains at elevations of eight thousand to thirteen thousand feet or uh, four thousand meters, mm-hmm. and the temperatures can be sub freezing at night, and you know the totally different type of food, and some call it the Afro Alpine Meadows. As far as mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the type or of forest they live in, the cloud, cloud forest yeah, cloud is another forest. way I've heard it described yeah. as that as well. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's that's some elevation for sure. They need that longer yeah, hair. They're up there high. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, they're they're really up there high. The Varanga volcanoes. I mean, just the mountain gorillas are, are in the mountains. Period. Mm-hmm. Where the lowlands are more swampy areas near sea level, things like mm-hmm. that. So it's so vastly different. And and you know, and they've adapted. Right. They've adapted to to live as we'll we'll cover in this mm-hmm. podcast to live and thrive and survive up there. Now, when we're talking specifically just like eastern gorillas, you know, like I said, the, the mountain gorillas are up high, the eastern lowlands. Some of one of the things that they they like to live in, the lowland ones, is the bamboo forests. But there's still forests ranging from, you know, when we say eastern lowlands, it, they're not as at sea level compared to the westerns. So they're still up there in elevation mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, two right. to 10,000 feet. So they're not quite as high as the mountains, but they're still adapted to more of a forest high elevation living uh, with that. And, you know, the bamboo. So Angie, I've been following gorillas for over 10 years. Thanks to you. You know, I've I know you have some- your gorilla shirt on today. I know. I'm a San Diego Zoo. We are getting ready to start. We're getting ready to start. This is, wait, wait. I've got to put on my special (laughs) shirt. My special gorilla shirt. And I'm like, you go, boy. You put that shirt on. I think I've had the same shirt on all weekend, but you know, and it's definitely not a gorilla shirt. I I know. I I, I used to say, no, I had my zebra shirt on to go to the zoo this afternoon. So, uh, you know, there you go. But no, I, you know, I, I, I've read some studies on gorillas and, and not as much as I have in the past week, but still had an interest in them. And I just, you know, and they are facing some insane pressures. We're going to talk about Diane Fossey a little bit later in the work she did. They are in deep trouble. So I'm just like, you know, why care about gorillas? It, it's not only are they a, a critical peace in the ecosystem. It's just one of our closest relatives. If we can't protect them, can we protect anything? You know? Yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah. It's and just, so, oh. Yeah. Well, and there's a, there's lots, there's lots of different sides to the story and lots of arguments in their favor. Uh, and, and one of the first key roles that a gorilla plays in the ecosystem as we'll touch on when we get to nutrition, but these animals are basically vegetarians and they eat a lot of plants. So their role for being an important part of structuring plant communities, as we've talked about in this podcast, is incredible. I mean, you know, what they eat, the seeds they spread, things like that, I don't we're only just starting to understand that role. So once again, if you wipe them out. What are you doing to the plants that they feed on and that they, the seed dispersal mm-hmm. and structuring these plant communities? So that's if you want to look at it from wholly just an ecosystem role. And I mean, it's just, just to jump in real quick. I mean, it, that is really, I think in the last few pods, we've really been talking a lot about, you know, we, we started with the hummingbirds and their pollination, right? Now we're talking about 
you know, some of these other species that consume plant matter and go around in seed dispersal. And then you're talking about the, the plant communities. So I'm sitting here thinking, I'm going back a year ago when we covered the flying foxes. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about their role with fruit. And we talked about seed dispersal. Mm-hmm. So you're, if, when we, really what we've done the last year and a half. We need Angie, a plant. Yeah. We need like a plant specialist to come on here. I, and it's, I know I should know more about plants since my parents are farmers, but yes. <laughs> and I did take a lot of plant you know biology. Lot of I took a lot of, yeah. I took a lot of plant yeah. biology classes and I'm sure if I studied it as much as I just study animals and watch animal videos and learn about animals, I could maybe pick up on it, but I, I don't really understand the, the vast importance of what these vegetarians or seed dispersers really do for plant communities. And I mean, it's a whole, oh my gosh, it's just, you know, we, 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 we focus on mammals, you know, you and I and our research. Yes. And our Please studies. Please keep me away from and, the invertebrates. We, <laughs> and then we, we start learned talking that about, was painful. We start talking, yeah, but you start thinking about not just them, but then you, you do think about the insects. And oh, sure. then you're seeing news articles now popping up about how they're crashing. And then you think about, you know, all the microbes and the soil and the plant communities and just all of this together is starting to crash. Sure. You know, because we're taking out key, key species. It's, you know, you take out the gorillas, what's going to die off? What trees are going to die off? What plants will die off? What other species will die off? What will take over you know, that they just, were keeping in check? Right. You know, as far right. as checks and balances, oh, we talked yeah, a lot about that with sea turtles and jellyfish. As much as we love jellyfish, sea, mm-hmm. sea turtles help keep them in check. So, so yeah, so right. the ecosystem yeah. role is huge. And I, and I think probably not fully understood, but obviously there, but then from an economic importance to humans, right? For us, what do they do for us? If you're not a fan of gorillas or don't really think that they need to survive? Well, I disagree. And here's why. Number one, despite years of this civil unrest that we don't have time to go into it in this podcast of the region that the mountain gorillas live in. So central Eastern Africa, has have has had huge military uh civil unrest there for a while. And even during this time, so if you haven't really traveled to uh Africa or um cinder, similar um less developed countries, it's probably hard to totally imagine. And I've traveled enough to know what I don't know or know that I don't know much and that it's a all this stuff is are huge complex problems that not one person can fix. And if and so if you haven't checked out my interviews with Dr. Uh, Dr. Barney Long on the Seola, which is an amazing hidden ungulate mm-hmm. in uh in the Vietnam and Laos area. I mean, he really set me straight because I was just kind of like, oh, Barney, well, we can just just do that. And he was like, oh, no, it's basically a nice word like you don't understand. Oh, it's, you know, there's a lot going on there. And then, of course, talking to him more recently about the uh, Sumatran rhino crisis. There's only like 60 of those guys. So he is, yeah, him and his team are on the ground there and and really start and seeing all these interplayed issues. And, th- and these are for countries that aren't necessarily under civil war for years and things like that. Mm-hmm. They just have mm-hmm. other issues going on. And so 
the fact that during this time, from basically 1990, okay, uh, to the present, the gorilla population, the mountain gorilla population increased from about 600. 300 to, yeah. It might've been as low as 300, but since they really started putting uh, a lot of conservation efforts in, which we'll talk about, they've brought it up to close to a thousand today, even while these countries are still having mega issues, major, mega issues, uh, issues that most of us, um, here in North, definitely in North America. I mean, can't even be barely begin to relate to imagine, imagine. And so, so the, the conservationists and government officials internationally from, of course, Rwanda, Uganda, and the Congo, plus all of the, i.e. rather Europeans, North Americans, people that are coming in to try to help these guys somehow figure out how to work together to help get these numbers up and help protect this guy. And, and the mountain gorilla is heavily protected and regulated in those countries. There's a few issues with poaching and stuff we'll talk about a little bit later on in conservation, but Man, people came together. It's like, you know, a John Lennon Beatles song. People came together for the mountain gorilla. It's not out of the woods yet, not even close, but it, it's, it basically is shown what we can do as a team, international team effort when, when we want to for lack, I guess for lack of better terms. It's, I know I'm making it sound way easier than it is. It's not. And then. Even with that said, for some of these countries that have experienced all these um, economic and civil unrest there, gorillas are visited by ecotourists, which has really enhanced mm-hmm. the local communities around them. So we've talked a lot about this podcast, about pros and cons of ecotourism, but I think hands down for gorillas, it's helped save them and it's helped the communities around them. And that is a win-win for both the communities that are that are experiencing this really impoverished civil unrest, war-torn times. But then, and then it helps the animals out. Is what helps mountain girls. And then, and then of course, all the animals inhabit those those alpine cloud forests too, right? So not just the gorilla. There's other tons of species there that are probably, I don't know if they're critically endangered, but endangered or their numbers are low. And so when you kind of focus on um, a large mega herbivore, right, for um, for lack of better terms, as a mountain gorilla, the trickle-down effect that saves the species and the plants around it and the community are huge. Yeah, and they, you know, you were talking about the ecotourism part. They reading the story about gorillas, and then it even made me think about Nepal. And I remember reading some studies on snow leopards getting the locals to buy into it. So, like you said, the locals are benefiting; the money is going to them. So, when we went to you know a year ago, and we're actually we haven't made an announcement yet, but we're going to be doing something with Corvin Maxi again here pretty soon. But we went back to the trophy hunting, and show me the money. Right. That's, that's, it's always about the money. That's like, what your, your, like your my, awesome father <laughs> yeah, said. Like big Randy always said, when it's not <laughs> about the money, it's about the money. It's about Bless the money. His heart. It is. And so, so all that money goes into the local communities. They have bought in, they help support and fight and they, they don't like the poachers. So they're hunting the poachers, you know, they're keeping them out. 
Same thing is going on in Nepal with snow leopards. You know, the locals realize ecotourism, the, these benefits of maintaining these animals. So I think that's the winning strategy. It's just how do we implement that across the planet? Correct. You know, how do we keep doing it and, and fighting it? So, and then, very good and points. then it's right. And, and I'll touch on a little bit too when we get to conservation, but there are, there are, there are some cons ecotourism. So it has to be done right. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. I think in the mountain grills, it's, it's done well because it, it, the population is so heavily monitored because you're just, everyone is, mm-hmm. each individual is so precious, um, and so important and critical for this population to thrive. But yeah, in general, uh, ecotourism is a, a term that needs to definitely be defined. Just like you can go to any old zoo or you can go to an accredited zoo, which has expectations of certain standards are going to go above and beyond and exceed. And you're going to see animals in their natural habitat and enrichment and, you know, wonderful medical care, just on and on and on and on, as we've talked a lot about in the podcast about accredited zoos. And that's what you want to do. And I think with ecotourism, it is the same. So you don't have to worry about this necessarily in in Uganda if you go to see the mountain gorillas because it's heavily monitored. But in other places, if some guy, you know, something's just flashing up a sign like ecotourism, you want to make sure that they're, that word means the same to, to them as it does to you and that they're holding up high standards as well. Yeah. And I could see something like, you know, taking a cruise around the world, like, you know, going to some of these ports and some of these other countries and like, Oh, let's go see these animals. It, it supports ecotourism. It's just a marketing ploy, right? Correct. What I'm going to cover in the end, talking about these ecotourism companies. I mean, this is heavily regulated in Rwanda and Uganda. Oh yeah. Buying the permits. Oh yeah. Very, very, very controlled. Yeah. yeah. And, it's the real and deal. I'm going to do it. I, it's, it's on my bucket list. It's on my bucket list now. It's on my bucket list. Cool. No, it's definitely on ours too. I just, don't see the finances. Well, you're going to tell me how much it's going to cost. So I'm going to, I am, I am. I'm going to Valentine's sure day is right around go. the corner. So we can tell my, <laughs> tell my sweet Valentine, Johnny to put some coins in the piggy bank and we'll go from there. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take a long time. <laughs> a lot of coins. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know. It's either that or the rhino orphanage. I don't know, but that's yeah. a one way trip for you. The rhino Man, orphanage. Yeah, yeah, I'm not coming yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, it's funny. I know. If you ever disappear, I swear to you, Angie, I'm, I'm coming down there to find you. The you won't, you won't find me. Like whole- been, I'll be too busy bottle feeding baby rhinos. So <laughs> I'll just be next to you. I'll be like, I'm joining you. The primate evolution, Angie, I, this is why I think this is needs to be a two parter because I really <laughs> went down this rabbit Uh-oh. hole. And I don't know. Should, in, I, go, in orangutan- should I go get a cup of coffee? <laughs> Really quick. You should paint, paint my nails <laughs> yes. because it's our history. This is our history too. So that's why I just really sure. was fascinated sure. with it. The hominoid. And I, yes. and I brushed, it is. And I brushed upon it with orangutans, you know, and I, I didn't go deep, deep into well, it. Well, that's when, thought, okay, that's when we were like, one... Oh, our podcast have to only be 40 minutes long. That, that's when we, <laughs> we tried <laughs> still <laughs> two hours later, all that editing. But this one is just, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's fascinating. So, you know, there's, there's over 500 species of primates today. 500 species of primates. That's fantastic. That's crazy. All, you know, all of our, all of our relatives. The trace this all back to the earliest mammals 80 million years ago. Now we've talked about the, the fifth mass extinction. The meteor comes in or a comet slams into the earth, wipes out the dinosaurs. Now that again, 
you know, in our heads, we think, oh, they got wiped out in a week. No. I mean, it still took thousands of years for all the dinosaurs to die off, right? I mean, it was a massive change to the, the planet right. and everything. And I guess I don't really – I always think of it as just a one and done, a bada-bing, bada-boom. But no. you're right. It, if you really think about it as a slow process and that yeah. it, it doesn't just always happen in one big, big boom, boom. or whatever yeah. – uh, yeah. I think we hope, hopefully we can learn something from this that slow die offs happen. Hey, yeah. humans. And it's, up. I mean, it, it's, I mean, in geological time frame, it was rapid, right? But in our time sure. frame, it took forever, right? It took forever. Sure. It, it took a long time. So the mammals were living underground, small mole like rodents under there, and they survived and they thrived. So the earliest relatives of us, the earliest primate dates about 65 million years ago and it's purgatorious. And it really, it looks like almost like a squirrel looking thing and it, it climbed trees. Okay. So it started to climb trees. Now, most of this is going on in Eurasia. This is where our earliest, earliest relatives evolved. Now at some point in there, cause we're going to cover lemurs this year. We're going to cover a lemur. I I guarantee it. Oh yes. Uh, This year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But they split off in Madagascar about 40 billion years ago and then were isolated and boom, they're there. Okay. So they're very primitive still, you know, off in, in Madagascar land. The primates. Which is also on my bucket list for the the record. I know. I know. I just got to travel the world. Now, you know, these primitive monkeys started to evolve into larger primates. And then we, we were going to jump ahead a lot and we're going to go to about 11 million years ago. And that mm-hmm. was Dryopithecus was this great ape that kind of looks like the, the drawing I have. It kind of looks like a gorilla, but orangutan looking kind of primate. Okay? okay. So around this time, they migrated down from Europe or Asia into Africa. And then the other ones went went east to become the orangutans. Now, the gibbons split off a little bit earlier and went off on their own. So we'll, we'll cover that in, a, in another pod. So if you're looking at primates, you know, you have the humans, the chimpanzees, gorillas, orangutans, gibbons, then the old world, new world monkeys, monkeys, right? So those are our primates. And then you have the prosimians are your lemurs, lorises, some of the other ones that we need to cover that are a little bit, that split off long time ago. Okay. So they, and they all have a common ancestor, this common ancestor 65 million years ago. Right. Now the family hominidae evolved about 25 million years ago. Okay. And then we, we had this gorilla going, or gorilla, this ape like animal going down into Africa. Mm-hmm. Now chimps and humans split off from this family tree. To okay. become now we're not humans yet, but but our our relatives split about six to seven million years ago, and then the gorillas went off and formed their own genus, right? Gorilla. So one of the things that I that I loved, and I've talked about this too, you know, one of our earliest ancestors, Lucy, who was Australopithecus. Mm-hmm. You know, she was found, she's dated about 3.2 million years ago. She's very famous fossil, like a, an early cross between a gorilla and a human or a chimpanzee and a human. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. One of our earliest relatives. So she stood about three foot seven or a meter tall, weighed maybe 65 pounds. And where was she found pounds. again? Remind me. So she's found in East Africa. Okay. Okay. So she's found in Africa. Now for us, Homo sapien, 
we didn't evolve and become till about 350,000 years ago. So, you know, humans from Homo erectus was our predecessor. Yeah. Homo sapiens. We've only been around 350,000 years. We're talking about a lot of species that have been around for millions of years. Oh, yeah. You know, and here we are. We've only been around not very long. Right. And and we have kind of, we're, we're teetering be on this, this seesaw of like, do we help them or don't we? Right. I know. I know. Ugh. Yeah. It's, but I mean, you know, talking about distance and time, the two species of gorilla divided out two million years ago. Sure. So the Eastern right. and the Westerns, two million years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the subspecies differentiated, you know, a few hundred thousand years ago, about 350,000. So the mountains and then the Eastern lowland and then the Western lowland and the cross. That's river. when they didn't want to cross. So, they didn't want to cross the river or waters, right? Waters yeah. really keeping them. But two million years ago, you had the Eastern and Western gorillas. Mm-hmm. So they've been around for millions of years where we've only been around for a couple hundred thousand or 300,000 roughly. So I just I see your point again. Yes. I mean, I could go on and on and on and I won't, but it just. You can. I'm like fascinated. I was like, I always love this section because I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to learn some cool stuff today. But it just. Get the cliff notes. It hurts your, it hurts your brain. It It hurts your brain thinking about the time, the the time frame, you know, and, and even with, you know, we had these, these cooling of the earth and the warming of the earth and, and these species around the equatorial region didn't change a lot, right? So gorillas did not change a lot. Now the Eastern gorillas, so the Western gorilla's scientific name is Gorilla Gorilla. Mm -hmm. The Western lowland gorilla is Gorilla Gorilla Gorilla. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Gorilla times three. That's my kind of scientific name. (laughs) Gorilla Gorilla. Now the Easterns is Gorilla Berengi, and then the mountains are are Gorilla Berengi Berengi. So... Yeah, so it's you double the word. So that there's subspecies, right? There's subspecies of the species of gorilla. Again, the four, they're just, it, it's amazing. Now, I don't know if you remember this. I probably nobody in the pod can remember this because I didn't really remember it. The largest <laughs> ape ever. You yeah, know? if you don't, if you don't remember, it's worth resharing. <laughs> Besides King Kong, when he climbed the Empire State Building in the 1920s, mm-hmm. and it, the, the, the real one that's not fiction is called Gigantopithecus. Okay. And again, this one was living in Vietnam, China, Southeast ah, Asia. Uh huh. Remember, 10 feet tall or three meters, weighed 1200 pounds. So it wow. was enormous. Ten- <laughs> I always, I always yeah. try to get some perspective. I need to, I need to just put a large piece of like, tape on my wall, measuring tape. Because yeah. whenever we talk about these animals, yeah. I'm always, I sit in the same spot and I mean, I'm always looking at the same yeah. wall, like how tall yeah. is Like what? What? And I try to picture it. So jeez, <laughs> Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. That's a big, big ape. I, and they think he died out for humans, like possibly humans hunted them. I mean, you know, mammoths and giant sloths and Giant armadillos and giant apes were all common hundreds of thousands. Well, of years we're ago. lucky here at um, the University of Florida. Our Natural History Museum has a lot mm-hmm. of the mammals mm-hmm. uh, in 
yeah, the, the giant sloth and the giant armadillo are the ones that always just get me. I'm like, no way. But yeah. Yeah. And they were found here. Those things so were, pretty cool stuff. And the yeah, woolly rhino and around. all these, really, and then the, of course the shark, the megalodon. So yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. It's Everything like, you know, so big. Then I, uh, we're, we were, we always read a lot here as a family and, we are just recently went to the library, so we circled, we're circling through mm-hmm, all these mm-hmm. dinosaur books again. And I'll, eat, you know, I feel like I've read every species, but I'm, there's even new ones that I'm reading about. And then just going over their sizes. And it's a different podcast for a different day. And I would need a specialist. I obviously dabble in nutrition, but I'm just still blown away about these large animals in general, whether they're herbivores or carnivores. Right. I have more fascination, of course, in herbivores. How did you eat that many leaves, Brachiosaurus, Diplodocus, Diplodocus, and Brontosaurus? Uh, uh, Argentinosaurus. Argentinosaurus, yeah. and there's a couple yeah. other. What? How? I mean, that's just how did you eat enough food to, and energy? I guess, I mean, and then some of the dinosaurs are fine. They're thinking some of the dinosaurs now are were warm blooded. So it's one thing if you're you, you know using you have a lower metabolism because you're using the sun to warm you up like a you know reptile. But if you mm. they're fine, you know, they think some lived in really cold, like cold, cold climates and they were maybe warm blooded. And anyways, it blows my mind. But it sounds like Xander's gonna be a paleontologist, so he'll answer yes. all of his <laughs> all mom's questions. burning questions. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like Think about it. I mean, the vegetation they'd have to consume. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. Like I still, don't, I, mean, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, we did cover blue whales and they, I'm a, a fan. I'm definitely a fan of bigger is better, but at some point in time, it's like, okay, that might be too yeah, big. <laughs> like, uh, how do you maintain? Yeah. I mean, and Jeez. the ecosystem supporting that and the plant growth that sure, you know, it, right. and it wasn't just like there was a small handful of these things everywhere. They dominated the earth. So. You know, it's like All herds over, of them. Every continent. Oh, it's crazy. It's nature, biology, the natural world is awesome. It's just awesome. Yes. It's just awesome. Get your kids into STEM. Yeah. And science, technology, engineering. Mathematics. <laughs> Mathematics. <Yes. laughs> yeah. <laughs> but clearly I need a little bit more. But I, I'll tell you, you know, yeah. I had this talk last night in, in, with a good friend and she and I were talking back and forth about it, about the arts. In sciences, arts are important for creativity and thinking. Well, so right, so now yes, balance. yes, yeah. now there's steam, right? Yeah. The, the whole yeah. steam analogy. So that's science, technology, engineering, arts, arts and mathematics. The arts, we the arts are pretty. Yeah, arts are huge. Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty important. Gorillas on. Oh, are we going back to gorillas now? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> well that's a good one. Yeah, so back to gorillas and and uh, you know not uh, dinosaurs, but gorillas live. About 30, <laughs> they're so goofy. I know. They, they live 35 to 40 years. Okay. In, in the wild under human care, they can live up, up to, fi- up to up, 50. Okay. Do you know who the oldest 50. was? Do you know who the oldest was? No, I should. Yeah. But okay. I so it's Colo. She lived at the Columbus okay. zoo and she lived to be 61. So she was, oh, bless yeah, her she was, she her. was an old grandma. So they, uh, yeah, Aww. 61 years is, is, is normal for them. Now in the wild, this is kind of sad to think about, but gorillas are vulnerable to being eaten by leopards. 
So leopards can get okay, them. Okay, yeah. Which is, you know, it, it's rare, I think, and maybe smaller. I don't see a silverback being taken out by a leopard because leopards are not that big. You know, I was surprised. Right, no. I was surprised at how small leopards were. Like compared to uh, when I first saw them, I thought, oh, leopards are these big cats. They're, I mean, they're... I mean, compared to lions and tigers, you know, they're, they're tiny right. or smaller, not tiny, but much smaller. Smaller. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, well, it's probably more the juveniles, the infants, right. the, and that's, and we'll talk about this when we get to behavior, but that's typically one of the male, the silverbacks roles is to actually protect. So if he's doing his job, they're probably not, you know, a leopard's probably not going to mess with them. But yeah, there's always, you know, sometimes infants fall behind or they go out and play. The juveniles will go out and play, go away from uh, mom and dad's or the troop site. Right. So right. yeah, it's a circle. Yeah. It's a circle. Yeah, I know, life. I know, I know. But when numbers are, when numbers are barely in the thousand, I think, I think the numbers we'll talk about are like 600 mature adults. Mm-hmm. So 400 immature. We need those immature guys to, to grow stay alive, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, keep the leopards. So leopards go eat something else. Yeah. Darn go it! Go find some little hoofstock somewhere. Yum yum yum. Let's <laughs> go eat. <laughs> well, now <laughs> I suppose don't eat in a copy. There, there's not many of them left either. Uh, no, yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. No, it's it's getting ish. no, but I mean it's you know these even going back to our history just to kind of you know, sum all this up with evolution and life cycles and predation. I mean, primitive humans, like, you know, we get, we were prey. We Now we're top of the food chain, right? So like we, because of our technology and our brains and, you know, all of our weapons and all that stuff that we have, but, you know, even poor people would get attacked by animals all the time. But back then, you know, with a, a, a stick, you know, I wouldn't want to meet a leopard, you know? Like, no. No. Uh, I mean, poor no. little Lucy, you know, three foot seven walking around. Like she was, she was a snack, especially then they had, you know, all the big cats they had back then. My goodness. They were, yeah. we were probably middle of the road, you know, <laughs> little snack for a giant. Oh, no, that's how we had to, we had to basically outsmart them. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a miracle. We survived, you know, yeah. through the years and, it is. You know, how these primates but and chimpanzees. We're doing fine now. <laughs> yeah. Now we dominate. Now we're doing fine. Now they're, now we gotta take this, uh, this population boom that we've had and, uh, do something for the good with it. Millennials, I'm talking to you. Yes. Yes. And my children. Well, AJ, I think this is a, a, a good place to kind of pause for the listener and, and let them think about our own origins and our close relatives, your close relatives, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that we share a lot of DNA with yes. a lot of DNA, a lot of DNA. They, and a lot of behavior. So, and you'll want to stay tuned to our next episode to learn besides the DNA that we share and evolution and the history that Chris has done such a fabulous job presenting this past hour, but to learn more about their behavior and how, as parents, we act a lot like mm-hmm. gorillas. Our gorillas act a lot like us. There's a lot of really cool similarities. They're super intelligent, gentle, for the most part, creatures, and a lot of fascinating fun facts about their behavior, the reproduction. And, of course, the big thing we want to talk about is their conservation. Right, right. Yeah, so, so join us next week, and we'll keep talking about gorillas. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Listen. 
Learn. Share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.